Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's official podcast of the UTS Grand Final. Jack Draper takes home the lightning bolt trophy. The UTS Grand Final wraps up in style. And we speak to all of the players behind the scenes. Kim, Chris, today is the 18th of December and we are here to catch up. On the UTS Grand Final in London, Jack Draper, the wild card, the hometown hero, goes undefeated. And we have an exclusive sit-down interview with him to share with you later. We also have Andre Rublev explaining his semi-final controversy in his own words. And most importantly, Benoit Paire gives me some facial hair advice. So we've got clips galore to come from all the players at UTS Grand Final in this episode. But guys, we're coming off the final yesterday. As I say, kind of Jack Draper won against Holger Rune. How are we, how are we all feeling today? Well, I want to settle the, instead of the GOAT debate, the GOATEE debate, you know, in terms of what Benoit <laughs> Paire had to, had to say, because we still haven't got clarity on that from yesterday's episode. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, maybe it'll be more illuminating today because we will have a clip from Benoit Paire um, talking, talking all things beard. I just can't believe that, Joel, you got your Jack Draper prediction right that you made before the final yesterday. Well, before the semifinals. That's very rare in tennis weekly lore. He just played such good tennis throughout the week. He was the only one, I think, who consistently played well from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, he played amazing tennis. And I mean, Joel, this is the first time that you've kind of got a prediction this right, except Coco Goff, obviously, we have to say. You did have that (laughs) highlight at the US Open. But this is kind of against the form book, you know, some of the rankings so would you like to dine out on it anymore um do you think you'll be making much better predictions in I 2024 think we, this uh, this is in a lovely way to end 2023 and i just hope 2024 brings more fruitful predictions from myself but i know this is probably the peak and it's going to go downhill from here starting with australian open predictions no doubt and done, start next year yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well, impressive prediction from you, Joel, and impressive from Jack Draper to win UTS because he did beat world number eight Holger Rune in the final. Uh, it was a this always sounds weird saying the scoreline because it's totally different to what we normally say, but it was a 12-14, scoreline, three quarters to one. Uh, coming from a quarter down and that last quarter just running away with it, very very dominant, very impressive after kind of two tight ones. I mean, brilliant fashion there, especially at the end. And as you said, Joel, he had a great week throughout the semi-final as well with Casper. Very, very close quarters coming down from quarter points, uh, two quarters in a row to to sneak to sneak those. I mean, he just yeah, for me was the well-deserved champion. 
Yeah, he was, say, he was, uh, he played the best tennis, I thought, from start to finish. And even in those clutch moments in the semi final and final against Rude and then Runa, um, even though he was down, uh, quarter points down, he was able to to clinch through. And um, yeah, it was just, it's just generally impressive from him, Con- particularly considering, because he's spoken in an interview about the fact that he hadn't really heard of the event um, until very late on. And, uh, you know, he's going to have a lot of a lot of money now in his in his bank account. So I'm, I'm sure he'll be pretty thankful that he has now heard of it. A very early Christmas present. I think it's something to the sum of £550,000. So, wow. I mean, that's, I mean, his name's the power. He certainly has some spending power now. And I just think it's so impressive in terms of, um, you know, composure. Maybe he shouldn't be called the power. He should be called kind of you know, nerves of steel because as, as you've said, like some of those matches were so tight mm. and he just hit through the court on everything. He never really hesitated. And I think... The nature of the format, I think, Kim, you mentioned this yesterday, you thought it would be a bit more relaxed for the players. But if anything, it's a bit more tense, especially when they put on that Beethoven you mentioned yesterday. Yeah, it's so tense in those like critical moments, you know, quarter points down or or just, you know, when they've got like they're, they're playing their bonus card. They really want to get that point, you know, because it's worth so much. And yeah, it was quite... It was quite nail-biting as a fan watching it when it got to those critical moments. And I guess you could say that's the same with traditional tennis. You know, you get to a crucial set point or moment of, you know, in a tie break. But yeah, just it's very concentrated. It's like a microcosm of kind of regular tennis, I suppose. It just feels like regardless of all the rule changes, the innovations, if you put these guys on a tennis court... They're, they're trained and they're born to win. They're going to be competitive. And finals day did have a, you know, that feeling and that occasion about it that, yes, you might look at this on paper and think it's an exhibition, but actually you go there. These these guys, these guys want to win. And uh, I think would say with Jack Draper, I thought it was interesting that, yes, he is called the power, but I was actually arguably more impressed with his touch because the number of drop shots that um, he was bringing out, the angles that he was playing with was, I would say, as equally impressive as the ground strokes he was showing from the baseline. And his movement. I mean, I've never thought of him necessarily as kind of that all-round player in, in the same way. I've always thought no. maybe, you know, initially it was the big serve and then uh, the big ground strokes, but both wings, very dangerous. The touch was great. And I think someone asked him about his drop shots and he said, if you watch me play, I do hit a lot of drop shots. I don't normally hit a lot that go over. So I think that was um, something that was quite nice that maybe he just put it all together. But I would say maybe that laid back attitude that he had kind of at the start of the tournament when we sat down with him, kind of put him in good stead, not knowing too much about what was going on and just kind of enjoying the moment initially, then suddenly finding himself in this great situation. But we asked him about his name. We asked about Andy Murray. Um, and we sat down with him before the tournament. So this is what he had to say. So you got the call to play UTS. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at home. What was your reaction when you got the call? And was it an immediate yes? Yeah, obviously. I'm very grateful to be able to give him the call, the, the wild card. Um, you know, Patrick and the team always do an amazing job with the UTS. And I think it was a great opportunity for me to, to come and play in London, considering I haven't really been able to play much on home soil this year. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here and excited for the competition. Uh, we saw you play in Manchester, um, and that was obviously a fantastic result, a great event, and a fantastic kind of debut for GB. Um, was that one of the, also the factors that made you think this is going to be a great thing to be a part of, playing in front of, as you said, a British crowd again? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm not too sure what the kind of ticket sales or anything's like, but I mean, I'm I'm really excited whenever I play in the UK. I think it's uh, it's a great opportunity to kind of show my tennis on on home soil, like I said, and um, yeah, hopefully the crowd will be behind me. 
And um, the nickname, so that was one of the, the big questions. We did see quite a lot on social media where people asked like, what your nickname should be. Yeah. Um, how did you go about that process? And did you see some of the, I mean, there were quite, some quite funny responses. Did you see any of them? Yeah, some really funny responses. Jack the Cripple was quite funny. <laughs> I was injured quite a lot the last year or so. so uh, savage. No, nah, I found that really funny. I, <laughs> I love all that banter. Um, the other one, Jack the Ripper, I got that yeah. a lot. But I mean, kind of a, like a sinister context, you know, yeah. so I'm not too sure if that one would go. Um, Jack. Jacket, potato. Jacket, potato. Jacket, jackhammer. Potato, the jackhammer. jackhammer. Yeah. Like Berrettini's got the hammer. You know, there's a lot of people who have already got different nicknames. Mm. So I kind of felt like um, the power kind of links to my game. I'm quite a powerful player and also uh, Phil Power Taylor. So yeah. he's uh, he's obviously one of the best in history darts players. And, um, you know, I always love watching the darts. So he's it kind of came after that. Going to get some darts inspiration. So does that mean you've got to hit the ball even harder if you are Jack the Power? No, I try not to make myself injured by trying the ball too much harder. But um, no, nah, I think that's just the way I play, and hopefully, hopefully you guys can see that. Yeah, um, and we were going to ask you about your season. Obviously, you had a, a bit of a tough season at the start, and then it's really come together towards the end of the season. Um, was there kind of like a match that stood out for you as like one of the highlights of the year when things kind of changed around? Yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't really a match. I think it was a period of time. Um, I had a I had a real tough period at the start of the year. I was injured a lot. I was not playing really pain free, and I was just um, just felt like I was always going uphill and, and I wasn't really enjoying it and stuff and then actually when I properly injured my shoulder in uh, the French Open I had two months out I missed Wimbledon I missed a lot of stuff and I think that period there when I was at home sort of in a bit of a, a ditch almost I kind of came out of that I kept on working hard and and then obviously finished the year really strong and I'm obviously proud of my achievements but I suppose it was just kind of that two months where kind of my perspective changed and um, I think it, it made me really strong being being out of those tournaments. And do you think that kind of that um, coming back from injury meant that you could like would did you lower your expectations a little bit and play a bit more freely like in terms of getting some of the great results like you know fourth round at the US Open I mean there wasn't that many kind of expectations probably going into that obviously you know your game and how you can play yeah. um, but do you think that you have bigger expectations maybe going into 2024? Um, definitely in going into 2024, I've, I, I'm not going to say I have big expectations, but all I know is that I've, I've improved massively as a player. I felt like maybe um, last year I was I was in a great place and then I didn't really improve too much because of the injuries and because of certain things. And then kind of when I had that period off and to the back end of this year, I've got really strong. I felt like mentally I'm in a great place. Physically, I've, I've kept on improving and being able to stay injury free. So that's allowed me to gain consistency. And I just feel like for 2024, if I keep on doing the right things and keep listening to the people around me and doing doing what I need to do, I don't see there's any reason why not that I'm going to have a great season. Um, and then in terms of like kind of the, the nature of being here, we have to kind of ask, so obviously everyone knows that you and Andy Murray have a great relationship. Mm -hmm. If Andy Murray had a nickname, what do you think it would be? I mean, it's kind of tough to put it on the spot because... You know, there are so many things it could be. I was thinking maybe like the Iron Man. The, the Iron know? Man. Yeah, I think he's like a the cat. He's got a few different lives, isn't he? He's got, yeah. He's got yeah, like nine lives. Yeah. It seems like he it seems like he obviously he's playing with a the metal hip. Andy Murray, I don't know. 
like Iron Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, Iron Man. Iron Man. I was a bit slow yeah. there. Yeah, 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 Iron Man. I think yeah. we'll stick with that. Cause I'm not sure it is made out of iron though. No, but, like, I know, but yeah. it's just it's it's got like a silver and it thing to it. Isn't sounds it? like he'll be on court for a while. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. He's I don't know. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. Um, very very fun to be around off the court. I have a good relationship with him and um, what a champion as well. Yeah, so. that was one of the suggestions I think I saw as well. Five, uh, 500 miles. 500 miles. Uh, what, what, um, for me? Yeah, I think it's from when you were singing in the back of the cab. I think it's your... 500 miles straight. Yeah, but it's 40 minutes, so I'm not sure how many yeah, miles exactly. you can do. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. if I'll be doing that many miles in that time. Um, and then final question: If you were to have kind of like a word, this mm. you're manifesting for 2024, like a word that would kind of guide the energy that you're bringing to next season, um, what would it be? I don't know, a word. I'd say power. Power, power. You know, like power. Pa- power of mind, power yeah. of body. Just keep on, keep on progressing. I like this idea that you know, I definitely, as you say, manifesting. I, I definitely think we have, we have the power to do whatever mm. we want to achieve mm. and whatever we want to, whatever we want to do in life yeah. if we put our minds to it and we stay consistent and disciplined. So, um, I think yeah, I'd yeah. go for power. Well, we hope you power through UTS mm-hmm. and we see you at the final. Thank you, buddy. Thank you Thanks for so much. And we've got to talk about it. Andy Murray, the cat. What do we think about that? <laughs> not, I, not something I personally would have uh, put as, as Andy Murray's name. I've never really thought of cats and Andy Murray together. A wild Murray cat together. of Scotland? Could it be maybe? That would make it a little bit... But he's not really a, like a pussy cat on the court. I think that kind of doesn't necessarily do him the justice. Sure, um, the nine lives comment, but... I That's mean, true. I guess it, it stems from that. I, I think Iron Man makes more sense. Thank you, Kim. I'll take yeah. that. Thank Ooh, you. That's much yeah. better. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I think that Jack ne- didn't necessarily understand what I meant init- when I said that. I think he thought I literally meant Iron Man as in the superhero. Ah, uh, you were referring to the metal hip. But should Andy be defined by his metal hip? Who knows? But I mean, some of the suggestions for his names we had, uh, we asked him about Jack the Potato. I mean, he had Jack the Cripple because he'd been injured. So I think he really kind of took a bit of a Twitter bashing when it came to those suggestions. But I think I had one suggestion for Andy Murray we didn't mention. Instead of 500 miles for Jack, well, could be 500 miles for Jack and 500 lives for Andy Murray. And maybe that would be um, a, a way of getting around that. But always great to talk to him. And he was so relaxed and such a nice guy and super generous with the time. So he loves his darts as well, doesn't he? Because the, the power nickname came from Phil the Power Taylor, um, who's a, a famous darts player. And uh, I, I believe Phil the Power Taylor sent him a message in the build-up, heard that uh, he was using um, his nickname and knew as a massive darts fan. And uh, I think he even said he wanted to get back on the back into training, uh, darts training afterwards um, because he's such a fan of it. I thought maybe I might see him um, at Ali Pali for the World Darts Championships later, which I am attending, but he is full on in, in training block mode at the moment. So uh, maybe I won't be able to to get the chance to see him. Well, maybe he might also be dressing up, Joel, and he might be going incognito there. <laughs> that could be one way that he'd be able to do it. Yeah, I would be curious to know what he would dress up as, or he would just go probably in, in hospitality. But yes, this is, I am going, I'm I'm dressed, I'm going to be dressed as a chicken. I don't know if it's going to make our socials, probably not, probably doesn't need to, um, but yes. Jack is unlikely to be heading there dressed as a chicken <laughs> with you for that, Joel. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, a big darts fan. I couldn't believe a darts correspondent actually turned up because of the fact his name was Phil the Power Taylor, yeah. basically. So um, he, was, he was getting interviewed by a darts writer. Well, so he thought- said he wanted, he wanted Phil the Power Taylor in his Wimbledon box uh, next, next year. I'm just glad that you don't have to dress up to go to UTS because, Joel, God knows what you would have turned up to cover the tennis in. Um, well, I, I mean, did maybe bring a horse. my Christmas jumper, but you... A horse. You, you... That's a great Ooh. suggestion. You could have dressed up as a horse and maybe ended up in the horse and show instead. In, yeah, exactly. Which you did anyway. But anyway, we got to speak to Jack as well as the tournament uh, went on. And here's what he had to say before his semi-final and also after his final win. Jack, how good was that? Your UTS debut. Could it have gone any better? And maybe this is the perfect format for you. Oh, if it was the perfect format for me, I, I don't think I'll have a career in tennis because yeah. it's very, uh, very different to what tennis is. But um, I loved it. It's, it's something very different for the players. I think if you if you lose, you absolutely hate it, and if you win, you love it. Um, luckily, I was on the winning side today, so I suppose I love it today. Um, and when we spoke the other day, I asked if you were going to hit the ball harder. Now your nickname is the Power. Uh, you said you weren't. It felt like maybe you did, based on some of the shots you hit today. No, no, I, I think. I think I'm just showing my, my tennis. That's, I, I think, not anything massively different for me. I'm just, just playing the way I play, and I guess my game's pretty powerful anyway, so there you go. And um, final question, do you think that Phil the Power Taylor would be impressed by that performance? I think he would. I think he'd be impressed with the accuracy that I showed mm. today, um, because he's obviously an unbelievable darts player. Um, but yeah, I don't think he knows anything about tennis. I'm sure maybe he doesn't, but if he does, then we'll have to get him to Wimbledon or, or one of the tournaments in, in the UK sometime. Yeah, he's got to be in your box one day, yeah. Oh, he will be. Yeah. He will be. We'll, we'll get that sorted. We'll, if the nickname sticks after this week, we'll, we'll make it happen. Jack, from um, not necessarily having the perfect season to coming here and having kind of an extraordinary three days going from wildcard to the winner of the event, um, a few words on kind of this journey you've been on. Yeah, amazing. Um, I think uh, my year has been... Uh, was tough up until the summer and then I put in a lot of really hard work um, and I finished the year strong on the tour, Um, had a bit of a a gutting one at Davis Cup, Um, Serbia played amazing against us and then um, I've been putting in a a good solid training block and obviously to come here and put that into into action has been great, I felt physically good and mentally really strong Um, and then I'll have a day off tomorrow and get back to the drawing board ready for 2024. Do you think you're playing some of the best tennis that you've played? Yeah, 100%. I feel like I'm improving all the time, learning learning about my game. I think physically I'm really trying to put in the work and my mentality has really shifted um, in terms of, you know, I want to generally be one of the best players in the world and I believe I can. i just got to stay injury-free and keep my, keep my head down, keep working and doing all the right things. So I've got a great um, team behind me and a lot of people who, who support me and want me to do well. So I'll just try and stay consistent. Jack, how are you going to celebrate? Um, I think I'm going to have a day off tomorrow. I mean, we're in the middle of our pre-season. We're working really hard for, for next week, so for next year, sorry. So I'll have a day off, uh, try and chill out a bit. This format takes it out of you, and then I'll be back to work on, I don't even know what day it is today. Um, so I'll be back to work on Tuesday to, to keep on going for next year. Small break for Christmas, and then I'm flying to Oz, so... Just, just keeping up the work from here. No time to get to Ali Pali for the World Championship. No, no, that would get messy if I did that. <laughs> Cheers. Wow, no rest for Jack, it feels like. I mean, Kim, we saw him in Malaga at the Davis Cup finals, took a wild card into this event. He's playing this event whilst 
being in training uh, for next season, almost using it as a bit of practice against high quality opposition. I mean, just looking forward, uh, you know, to next season for, for Jack Draper, what do you think his ambitions are? Because he feels very confident. He feels like he's playing some of the best tennis of his career at the moment. Um, where do you where do you think he's heading? Where do you think his trajectory is going? Up, I hope. As long as he can stay injury free, I think this has been such a big boost for him. And I think, you know, he came close, didn't he, in that match against Kekmanovic at the Davis Cup. It was quite frustrating. But I think, you know, he was quite disappointed by that. And I think he's really channeled that into, you know, a good training block prior to UTS. And then obviously taking that onto the court here. So I I've, I have high hopes. I just think, you know, like with anything, it's it's injury and health dependent. And I really hope that luck is on his side in, in that respect because he's obviously had quite a difficult year um, earlier on. How much do we feel that genuinely, you know, defeating these top 10 players like, you know, Rude and Runa, for example, in this format that is so alien, let's say, to the ATP Tour, how much do we feel like this will genuinely can mean something on the ATP tour proper or do we have to sort of treat it more isolated? I honestly think it's the perfect preparation when it comes to those pressure points because I think that's where so many of the players who kind of are in that mid-range from you know 20 to 50 I mean Jack's just around 60 of the world at the moment but he didn't get to play a full season um, I think so so many of those players the reason why they aren't top 20 top 10 is because they don't play the big points well and I think this is something where Jack was really going for it. Obviously, it's a, a different situation. But I mean, if you look at how Djokovic plays, you know, a break point, he almost goes for more on those shots. So I think the mentality is something he can take forward. I think mm. um, maybe not too much when it comes to playing those three points bonus cards. I'm not sure that that will help if you're playing, holding up three at the Australian Open for the umpire to try and give you, you know, <laughs> 15, go 15 love up and then it's game. I think there's, there's lessons that can be taken from it. But going to ask you, one thing so you did get the prediction right you did also suggest you took some time off before the US Open and then you know things have turned around for him but we had this debate about Arthur Feast in terms of who had the highest ceiling and I think I'm going to have to change my opinion based Ooh, on wow. his performance Ooh, okay. I think I really think that Jack he's got he's got the full game he's got it all and if he can handle the mentality as well um, he said he's aiming for top 20 but this was a top 10 performance I would say I think certainly top 20 for sure and I mean, beat top 10 players, higher. well yeah I mean I know but I think in terms of what's realistic this coming season 2024 I think top 10 might be a bit of a stretch but top 20 well Radicanu's winning the Australian Open so I mean getting top 10 for oh, Jack Drake is not too much of a stretch are we going to hold you to that Chris that that wild prediction you went, no maybe I'll see <laughs> what the draw looks like I almost <laughs> feel like he as the if he can just take care of his body and make sure it's up to the rigours of, of a full season on the ATP Tour. I think the results and the ranking, I think they should kind of take care of themselves. And I think it's a really exciting time for him. I think there's lots of things he can look forward to next season. I know he's won this trophy. He hasn't won a trophy on the ATP Tour proper yet. And I certainly think that is one of the, the things he should be looking to, to achieve next season because the tennis he is playing at the moment, the confidence that he is playing with he's going to be a threat and he's going to be a player that, you know, players around him in the in the rankings, higher up, they are not going to want to face him early on in the season. 
Well, Holger Runa won't want to face him again because Jack has beaten him twice this week. And I mean, Holger had a bit of an up and down week, still got to the final. Um, you know, I, I was predicting him to lose in the semis to, to Rublev, but um, we we did speak to Holger before the final, actually, about some non-tennis related things. So let's have a little listen to that now. Congrats on the win today. Um, what made the difference? Did you get a text from Boris overnight? Any advice from him? Or Yeah, of course, I got a text. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I just told myself not to give too much importance to, to the format and you know, try to fit in because, you know, as far as you start thinking about it, as more stressful it is. So I just told myself to enjoy and, and see how it goes, really. Um, you were the most searched person in Denmark ahead of Taylor Swift and the Prime Minister. We saw that in your stories. That's got to feel pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, I'm happy that, you know, so many Danish uh, people, they, they want to know more about me. That's great. It shows that I'm, you know, giving a good effort on the court, showing my, my tennis, and that's, that's what it's all about, yeah. Um, we asked our listeners if they had any questions for you, and the subject of your shorts came up a lot. Um, and if you were going to release a line with Nike of like Holger short shorts, yeah. is that something that's in the works? Of course, of course, it's in the work. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say much now because it's, it's confidential, but, uh, you know, for sure there's, there's going to there's gonna happen something. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't help myself. I just thought I've got to ask about some of the things that he shares on social media. I mean, being the most searched person in Denmark, I just thought that was... Um, wonderful to get his take on it and I mean he was sharing it he's very pleased with it and I think he sees it as a testament to what he's doing on the tennis court but it could also be a testament to some of the things that he uh, some of the behavior he has on the tennis court as well might make him just so searchable but you know the big news Joel if you want to get yourself some Holger short shorts it sounds like maybe a collaboration with Nike is coming they feel like the shortest shorts uh on on the men's tour um, at the moment I mean he does have maybe across all tours he has incredible legs I mean when you see him up close in in person um, in, in the player interviews it, it, his the conditioning on his legs are unbelievable but yeah I do, I do I do feel like sometimes he milks it with how short his shorts are he's like rolling them up yeah <laughs> yeah it's like what school kids used to do Used to roll my skirt up at high school. <laughs> he does not skip leg day, does he? And he wants to make you—he wants to make you well aware of it. When you were rolling your skirt up, Kim, did you skip leg day? Uh, I don't think the leg day existed when I was at high school. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what's comfortable for him. You know, uh, in terms of short shorts slightly longer shorts you know um but we'll see uh we'll see what is brought out onto the market perhaps um what one thing i have to say though on, on holger going back to kind of his his you know tennis on on the court you know i was he did play some great tennis uh in that semi-final with with riblev but when it got to the final i was not best pleased with him because there you know he was getting a bit frustrated i think by how well draper was playing but there were there was a particular patch where he just whacked several balls out of the stand, one at really high velocity. Home runs. And then about two or three within the space of a few minutes. And I just thought, you know, you wouldn't do that on the regular tour. I mean, some players do, but they get, you know, punished and there's definitely repercussions uh, when, you know, perhaps the balls hit uh, someone in the audience. But... Yeah, I just I thought that was just not on. Like you cannot just do that because it's UTS. Like it doesn't mean that you can you have a license to misbehave. But he was asked about that in press, and he said, "Well, yeah, I'm not going to get fined for it here. It's allowed. So yeah, I'll do it here. But I, you know, wouldn't do it in, on the main tour. But 
like I, I don't I don't I feel like UTSC it's not, a, re- you don't ha- it's not, not mandatory a reason to misbehave exactly is it you know like I yeah. think some players pushed it but I think hitting one ball out in frustration is fine I think probably it was about six or seven yeah. in different areas and I mean at one point it was towards the Moritogalu sort of the lot and they looked a little bit shocked you know I think that they don't expect that they'll be uh, attacked by almost one of their own with a ball but I mean he was trying to aim away from players but I do just think you don't know who's standing behind a stand you don't know what's going on so I'd agree with you that um it wasn't wasn't the best scenes and it, it's lucky that it didn't end up with someone getting hurt well yeah exactly because you know it's there's there's staff there's fans walking around like we could have been easily. walking behind i mean i would quite like that for the story for the podcast but well you might have ended up back in hospital chris though if you'd been whacked with uh, a, a massive tennis ball i don't want anyone's christmas to be ruined because of of yeah a whole garoon whacking a tennis ball out the stand but um yeah that was just sort of one thing that i've picked up on with uts is that i think you know it doesn't just mean you can like have bad behavior and, and kind of misbehave in that way just because kind of it's an anything goes kind of vibe um but anyway on that note we're going to take a quick break now we'll be back in the second half to cover some more controversial behavior but this time from andre rublev uh, we'll be putting to rest the the benoit facial hair debate for once and for all and we'll also be asking casper if he has the best dance moves on the atp tour so do not go anywhere Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome back to the official podcast of the UTS Grand Final. Now we're going to move on to the Great Beard debate. Uh, we alluded to this earlier. Uh, you know, did Benoit Pair say that he liked Joel's beard? I'm I'm curious to know. I wasn't there for Benoit's answer, so I genuinely Is don't it know. A beard? Big questions being asked here. Big questions being asked here. Well, let's put this to rest and hear from the great man Benoit Pair and the exchange now. Final question. Uh, I'm deeply enamoured by your beard. It's an incredible beard. Um, I'm trying to grow a beard myself. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, what advice would you give someone like myself who wants to grow a beard as good as yours? Everybody asks me for an advice, but I don't put any product. I don't do anything. I'm just lucky. Okay. So let's see if you're lucky. You just keep the moustache for the moment. So let's try everything. Okay, no product. I'll, I'll keep those words what in time. Keep like this and don't go to the barber. Look, guys, I just want to say, I told you he he loved it. He loved the mustache. He loved he loved everything. You won him over, Joel. I'd say your sparkling personality charmed him in the media room. But 
I mean, what a question. I mean, if you want a beard, go to the man with the beard himself. Or his coach who has an, an identical beard. His coach had an identical beard, I know. It's like a, a prerequisite, isn't it, to be part of the, the Benoit Pair team. Um, but he did say, as I said, as you probably heard, he did say, just don't don't use any product. Just keep it just keep it natural. Just keep it Are you using free. any product now? I can't imagine you are, Joel. No, yeah. No. No, yeah. So, <laughs> so I am keep actually doing follow- what you're doing. I, I'm following his advice here. His one oh, step natural. no step routine. His yeah. no step routine. So, Joel, are you in the off-season going to grow a beard a la Benoit? You know, are we going to maybe... Is it going to be like you only you only shave it when our crowdfunder reaches its target or when we get to... The next to, time you see Benoit? Ne- yeah, next time you see Benoit <laughs> in, in the flesh. This time next year, maybe at the grand it's final? It's just going to be like beard annuary like in january and we're, we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna go we're just gonna go with it uh we're gonna go with it and we're gonna see we're gonna take it from there but i think it's gonna take a lot longer i think than it takes benoit pair i feel like it might not necessarily be ready for the 2024 season maybe even the 2025 season at the rate i feel oh uh, yeah my facial hair grows it's a long-term plan forward to seeing it. yeah well benoit- <laughs> it's a long-term plan Benoit, aside from giving, you know, facial hair advice, was, you know, actually on his best behaviour all week. But his UTS nickname was The Rebel. We're not quite sure he lived up to it. Uh, But Joel, you asked him what the most rebellious thing he had done recently was. So let's have a little listen now. And your nickname is The Rebel. Uh, I'd like to ask you, what's the most rebellious thing you've done recently? Uh, Honestly, since... One year, I'm feeling like an angel. <laughs> so to be honest, I don't have, I didn't act like a rebel recently. I feel like I'm so good guy. Uh, that's why I said with Andre, uh, Rublo, <laughs> he asked me, Are you gonna destroy a rocket? I said, no, I don't wanna destroy a rocket. I feel good now. <laughs> I was actually really nervous when I asked this question because there was this sort of pause in the room of like, oh God, where's this gonna go? What's he gonna say? And then all of a sudden, he was just like, oh, actually, I've, I've not really done anything uh, rebellious in the last, you know, in, in the season. It was just like, I've been pretty chilled. I've been pretty zen. I think he's brought someone into his team to to help him with his his mental his mental game. And who knows? Maybe it's, it's helping him because uh, although his nickname was The Rebel, yeah, we didn't really see it that much, I think, at the UTS event. And uh, let's say in interview, how he was really kind of lost for words about you know what he what he has actually done or maybe he just couldn't say it on on camera that's what i was thinking i was thinking maybe he knew he was being filmed and he couldn't say what the most rebellious thing he had done because we did we did follow up to find out that maybe he needs to bring out that rebellious side once again in order to kind of get ahead at uts um, at the next event he plays so we can hear about whether he wants to be more rebellious in the future Yesterday you told us that you were no longer the rebel, you were the angel. Um, you, uh, but you kept it, you kept your cool on court. Look, I didn't break any racket. You didn't break a racket, exactly. But do you think that for the next UTS you need to bring out that rebellious side again? Let's see. Depends on my mood. <laughs> uh, no, this week I talked to Rublo a little bit before the UTS. He told me, please, Benoit, uh, don't break any racket and for sure. Uh, it will be good for kids and everything. I said, okay, I don't break any rocket. And when I was ready to break it, I said, okay, I give to the people. So he is an angel on the court, but a rebel off the court. Is that is that what we're landing with? Are we like that on the podcast? We're angels on the podcast. We're rebels off the podcast. 
Probably well, not. <laughs> I'm not sure. Get Joel in a, in a Weatherspoons having some woo-woos. Maybe he's quite <laughs> he's rebellious He's a rebel there. off the court, the Weatherspoon <laughs> rebel. Yeah. I mean, we also put the question to Andre Rublev to see if he was happy with Benoit's progress on his path to sainthood. So let's hear what he had to say. Benoit told us that you said to him not to break any rackets this week and he's kept that promise. He's even called himself the angel, not the rebel. Um, what do you make of his progress? I don't know. I think he was doing this more sometimes for the show because uh, that's sometimes people wanted to see and he was doing this. I think sometimes it was not because he was angry. Of course, there was a lot of moments when he was breaking the rackets because he was angry. But for sure at the UTS, sometimes he was breaking the racket because also to make a bid for the spectators. Well, Andrew Rublev might have been happy with Benoit Paire's progress, but Rublev arguably could have been given the title, the Rebel, because there was a dramatic scene, wasn't there, guys, in the semi-final around the use of a points card, which which blew up entirely. I at one point thought Andrew Rublev just wasn't going to play gonna any more off. tennis. Yeah, it was really shocking and a lot of confusion as to what was going on, what was being said. And I think, um, Joel, you gave him the opportunity to clarify because I think there was a, an awful lot that was um, happening and music yeah. happening. It was very hard to know. So this is what Rublev said when you asked him. Uh, Andre, I saw you walk over to Patrick uh, during that incident. What were, what were the words you were exchanging with him? No, just to check replay. Just nothing, nothing else. Can you check replay? If I was the second, okay. If I was first one, just to, to accept and give me three points and that's it. Do you want to see video replay brought oh, into? I don't need to see, just for them to check, to see who was first one and that's it. Because then it's exhibition, so there is nothing, it's not like ATP, okay, if the referee make decision, we cannot uh, check who was, how was, who was the first one and it's not ATP where, okay, if they make decision, even if they mistake, it's like this. Here it's exhibition, so we can play fa more fair game here, no? So and then that's what I was asking. Just to check replay who was the first one and that's it. Well, what, what do we make of that, Joel? I mean, you asked him the question. It didn't look like he was just necessarily saying you wanted to replay. It looked like it was slightly more strongly worded than that. But yeah, what do you both think? It was just such a long interlude. You know, Holger was just sort of walking around the other end of the court. The DJ was playing all these kind of apt songs, which I did think was quite <laughs> The DJ amusing. was egging him on. <laughs> I predict a riot. You had a bad day. The best thing was when they came out with always look on the bright side he of life. He was exhausting the list of, <laughs> of tunes, wasn't he? Because it was going on for so long. I mean, it was quite an unfortunate scene because I think the crowd might not know how much money's on the line or how important these matches are. Mm. Um, but maybe Rublev really did. But I was just impressed it wasn't Holger. And uh, Alina um, from the podcast was sitting very close to Holger's mum at the time and she was saying don't engage don't engage because Holger was going to go and talk to Patrick but he, he he kept his cool so maybe you know Benoit um, and Holger can join kind of being on, on a, a positive path minus the, all the balls he hit off the court um, after that but yeah I mean should he have got the three points Joel? I don't know I think it was it was a tricky situation because I think Runa had also said he wanted the, the three-point card as well. And, and I think Rublev was saying that the umpire didn't see him and he went to Runa. Um, but I think on, on replay, from what I've seen on social media, the, the umpire was in the right. Um, and uh, it was just one of these moments where Rublev just, I say, just combusted on the court. I did enjoy the fact that rather than go to the umpire 
or like the tournament director, I think it's like Jeremy Shardy, he just walked over to Patrick Muratoglu, who was courtside, who's like the inventor of, of the concept of, of UTS. And he, he went straight to the top. Straight uh, to source, didn't he? And then yeah. Patrick, yeah. I saw him make a quick dart out during that. He <laughs> was like, this was a phone script. call and got what out. I think he do? didn't necessarily want that interaction. Mm. Yeah. I was like, who's he calling? Like, who could he be calling to yeah. change this, God, this view? I, like, or, <laughs> I yeah. saw a fan try to get a photo uh, with him as well. And it was a little bit like, not now, not now. It's This is, <laughs> oh, this no. is serious stuff. Yeah, I thought... Um, I think after a while, I was just kind of like, Rublev, you know, you're not doing yourself any favours. And he did say that, you know, it was bad behaviour on his part in the in the press after. But I just think, yeah, and then when they finally were ready to play, I, I, he wasn't really ready. And then I, I don't, I wasn't impressed with how he wasn't handled. It? Yeah, yeah and he, then hit it was... a, he hit a, like, serve, but it, it, he should have, like, immediately lost the point. But then he played it again, which I think Holger wasn't impressed with. So... It was all a bit messy it was at that messy. one. It yeah, was very I think messy. Maybe that's one thing about the format is that it can descend without kind of the rules around mm. code of conduct. It can descend into a little bit of chaos, which might make for a great sort of social media clip. But at the same time, I think that it was a little bit awkward for people who are watching, especially because such a young audience is there. So I personally would like to have seen that toned down a little. I mean, just just on that, I mean, this is the thing I'm like a little bit because because, you know, he's just released his new clothing line, Rublo, and on his T-shirt, it says play for the kids. Are you saying this is a PR disaster? And uh, basically, you know, when you're when you're getting angry and frustrated on the court and doing all these things, is that the right message to have on a, on a T-shirt? I, I, I'm not I'm not so sure. I think it's a super nice idea and a super nice aspiration. But then, as you say, you do have to live by those values everywhere. And I think Mm. being very angry or down on yourself, obviously, as a role model, is something that doesn't necessarily paint the best picture. But he is so often an absolute breath of fresh air and a force of positivity on the tour. So hopefully these blips will become few and far between, you know, on his um, on his path to, you know, kind of going up the rankings and achieving his goals. And to his credit, he he did compose himself for for press afterwards. We, we were got kind of, some smiles. <laughs> we were kind of talking between us of like who's going to ask the question. Um, <laughs> Joel, we made you I do it. And I got the short straw. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he did compose himself, and he was very well. Um, um, he was very respectful in in interview afterwards. So it felt like it was just like a moment that of hot headedness on on the court, but he was able to kind of put it in the back of his head and, and compose himself once the match was over. But um yeah, it was a bit of a it was it was a bit it was a bit of a farce at times. I think as a fan in the crowd, you know, what would be good is if they mic'd the players up when they speak to the umpire because, you know, it, they they have these interviews at the change you know, between quarters. But I thought I think something like this would have really helped because a lot of the crowd would probably be at lost for a good five minutes, you know, what's going on. So I, I don't know, maybe there could be an innovation where they they mic the players up. Or play the replay. Oh, I mean, one thing Andre wasn't sure he wanted uh, a replay of was his clashes with Nadal when we asked him how he felt about Rafa's return to the tour. And just a word on Rafa. Rafa's back on the tour next season. What do you make of that? What are your thoughts when you heard Rafa's back on, uh, you, you might see him in Australia? Mm, of course, that you don't want to face him. That's the first thoughts. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy for him that finally he's back. But obviously, as a competitor, I feel more freedom when he was not there. So, is that is that the general vibe in the in the locker room? Do you think, or is that uh, you? I don't know because 
I mean, we don't talk about those things in a locker, but obviously for tennis, is, uh, if we talk serious, I think for tennis, it's great that he's back. Uh, will He will bring back a lot of spectators, a lot of followers, uh, especially again, back for the tie between him and Novak uh, will bring a lot of attention again to tennis. So that's it's, it's amazing that he's back. It was fascinating to hear that Rublev said, oh, they don't really talk about that in the locker room because I would have thought that would be the talk of the town in the locker room at the moment. It's the talk of the podcast, that's for sure. It's the talk of Kim. Yes, Well, Kim. it's getting me very <laughs> excited. Yeah, we've got Rafa back uh, in Brisbane very soon. Only, well, literally like probably in a week and a bit. But um, yeah, it's interesting. We, you know, I'd asked Diego Schwartzman about it as well. And uh, I think he was quite, you know, pleased that Rafa's coming back but he did I think he alluded to the fact that yeah maybe like early on it might be a time to to try and get a win because you know Rafa's going to be a bit rusty when he comes back so you want to probably play him earlier on in his comeback perhaps Um, but one other player we had the pleasure of speaking to in the last few days was Casper Ruud and for a lighter end to the podcast let's listen to what Casper had to say about the, the new family business, uh, how good his dance moves are and how excited he is for UTS, which is coming to Oslo early next year. Casper, you clearly enjoy UTS. The grand final isn't over yet, but the next stop is Oslo. How excited are you for that? And did you have a say in that? Oh, I don't know. They asked me if it could be an option and I said, yeah, why not? Let's try. It's uh, gutsy from them to, to go for it because uh, Oslo is not a typical you know, tennis city at all. You know, you have Paris or London or these uh, cities that have big tournaments, but um, Oslo, we didn't have a big tournament in many, many, many years. So um, it's going to be uh, cool. It's going to be uh, worth a try and I hope people will come and uh, Chair, not just when I play, but when other players play as well. So you have other big names coming, you know, TM, uh, Rublo, uh, Runa, and um, Mofis, of course. You know, there's a lot of great players and a lot of great tennis you'll be able to watch if you want to come. So if I was a tennis fan, I would go, and uh, I hope many in Norway will. Uh, your sister Charlotte's playing college tennis now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's becoming a bit of a family affair because obviously your father played, you play, your sister's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, would you call it the family business of the Roots? It is kind of, yeah, because my, obviously my father is my coach, um, my sister plays, um, my mother is she's in charge of plane tickets, so she has a role in this, uh, she's helping her out and... Uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of like a family business and uh, we all play our part. So, um, yeah, in, in a way, yes, it's uh, going to be interesting to see how Charlotte can do in college. It's going to start next fall. So um, I'm very happy for her and uh, I think it's going to be a great four years for her. She improved a lot when she was she moved to Mallorca a couple of years ago to go to the academy and she improved so much by being there. So it seems like, you know, good structure is going to be uh, is good for her. And I think college is a really cool, uh, cool experience for her. And then the final question I was going to ask. So we've seen the Medi dance, the Sitsapas shuffle. We've now seen the Casper wiggle. How do you think that ranks out of the ATP dance moves? Oh, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, Mariah Carey was, you know, needed for me to get going. So uh, it's a, you know, nice Christmas uh, sound and um, just enjoyed myself a little bit out there. And it was, uh, that, that, yeah, that, that uh, song will get you on your feet for sure, no matter where you are. That's kind of impossible not to wiggle a little when you hear, hear that song. So it's Christmas time time and uh, but I, I think it's uh, I think that's the only song that will get me to wiggle so the, the DJ was smart today yeah. well, ask the DJ to play it again <laughs> I hope not <laughs> well I mean you can't blame Casper for giving it a wiggle to Mariah Carey I'm sure Joel and Kim we've all done that many times and he loved your questions I thought 
I think I got to ask him about some things that he likes talking about, and um, I think he was surprised with the the quality of the questions you gave him uh, at like a an exhibition event. We, we had quite a nice build, didn't we? You know, we, I took him on a journey to build up to the the wiggle, and he really did embrace it. But I mean, we, I mean, maybe I'll travel to Oslo for the next UTS event to see the wiggle again. But I mean, he said Mariah's the only song, so unless they put that on, which is unlikely in February, I'm not sure we'll see it. But Joel, you have talked about you want to get inspired by. Monfils is dancing. I'm not going to be taking inspiration, I think, from the Casper Rude Wiggle, and I don't think, I don't think Scandinavian Strictly Come Dancing will be uh, sending him an invite and any anytime soon. Ooh. I don't think. I think Ooh, once well. he's retired, maybe though, that was he'd a bit be cutting. an maybe ideal candidate. Harsh. I can totally see him doing Strictly, but Gail Monfils, on the other hand, French Strictly Come Dancing, assuming it exists, that's dancing that needs, with the stars. That I needs think, to yeah. happen. I think. Dancing with less stars. Is that stars? stars. Yeah. Sorry to our French listeners if we have any. We probably don't after how we've talked about the French number one this year, but if any have stuck with us, we're very sorry. Well, I mean you could play UTS just with French players, couldn't you? And it could be like so many of the them. French number ones. Um but before we round off for today. Uh, let's talk about our final reflections on the UTS. You know, first time that we've seen it live, first time it's been in London. We hope it will come back to London. I think it's overall been a really successful event here. Crowds are, you know, very full. It seemed to enjoy it. Great atmosphere. So I personally would love to see it um, back again. But yeah, what's been your kind of highlights of the past, well, almost the past week, Joel? Well, my peak moment um, has been generally the the player commentaries um, at the end of of each quarter and no more so than Andrei Rublev, who he can give kind of three word answers and the crowd just love it. Uh, I just love, you know, this is laughter and I do love the, the interaction between fans and the players during these moments. I think the questions are pitched right. I think they're done well. Uh, they're very simple. They're very easy to understand. And um, I find that a really fascinating element of UTS and probably my favourite kind of innovation um, from from the event is these these player conversations because we just, we just don't really hear them enough i think on the on the atp tour yeah and chris what about that. you that's yeah, a good I one agree. Um, yeah you know what mine's going to be jack draper generally i just think that you know we've had i had some less less vibey interviews during uh the uts experience and jack was just a breath of fresh air throughout it i think no matter what was happening or what the media commitment was or what the ask was he did go kind of above and beyond and even on on the final they said last question. I didn't quite get it. He said, I think we had another one here. So I got to ask my question. I was like, well, it's not the best question. But still, it was very nice that like he, he still, he wasn't in a rush. He wanted to make sure that everybody got what they wanted. And I think with that sort of attitude, I think he's going to be, you know, everyone's favourite. And I, I really think it's so refreshing when it comes to kind of being on the tour and interviewing these players. I think he really was almost like an open book. And I even got a wink at one point. So, you know, Jack, Jack's the highlight as his character, I think would be mine. Yeah, he's very considerate. And, and what, my highlight was um, having our prize winner, Alexandra, and her son, Hugh, um, join us for the Friday evening session. And they got to meet Jack and Jack, uh, you know, gave Hugh a little gift. So the eventual I thought winner. that was that was lovely. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, that's who who else would you want to meet but the eventual winner? Um, so it's lovely to meet them both. Thanks for coming and uh, supporting the pod. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed your experience as well on Friday. Um and then I guess 
on the other flip side, moments that you weren't such a fan of, for me, it would be, I guess, like we've discussed, the fact that maybe there needs to be some more rules around conduct because I don't think the UTS should be a license to misbehave by hitting balls out the arena just Ooh, because I like, you can. I like that. It's oh. like license to kill James Bond. License <laughs> yeah. to misbehave. License to misbehave. <laughs> what about you, Chris, though? What were you not so keen on? Well, it was pretty late finishes. I think it does have to be an evening event. I think we're all agreed for the, the vibes that you need with the music. If that was starting at 10am, I think everyone would be struggling to find the enthusiasm. So... I do understand that, but I think maybe finishing kind of past 11 for an event where you have timed matches might be a little bit too late. And especially like from a media perspective, you know, we love the French characters, but they're definitely not in a rush to come and find us in the media room. So maybe that would be mine that it, it could it can get a little bit late, especially when you can control the end time. I think I would probably push it a little bit earlier. Mm, I agree. Joel? Come yeah, on, Joel. And- uh, I'm gonna say, uh, mine was just I we the the press room was moved from this really nice room that was sound was perfect for for podcasters and interviewers uh, away from the sound uh, and all and all of the stuff on on the tennis court. Um, and then on the final day, it got moved to like right next to the the tennis court in the corner. Um, and I was only say it was annoying because we had the 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 interview with with Holger Rune, the runner up. And the music was just too loud. And I couldn't, I just couldn't really hear what Rot Ruder was saying. All I could hear was ABBA, thank you for the music. <laughs> which was, and Backstreet Boys, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was actually the perk of um, when you wait for media, the music stops and they've packed up the court, they've gone. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think the Holger one was um, a bit of an unusual situation, right? Yeah. What about pleasant surprises? Joel, I feel like you're going to say something to do with your new equine <laughs> friends, perhaps. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, my pleasant surprise was I got to, got a it felt like a free ticket into the the You uh, love a freebie into Joel. the international horse show uh en route uh from the uh the tube stop. Um yeah, that was my pleasant surprise. Got to yeah, have a look at some horses trotting around. Pick a, pick a winner for Ascot next yeah. year, maybe. <laughs> exactly. I mean, quite so yeah, naive. that was my that was my pleasant surprise. Chris Chris, what was yours? Well, I think I did some reflection on yesterday's conversation that we had um, about the fact that my innovation was actually to bring it back to the normal tennis format. And I would say that I'm clearly more of a traditionist than I thought I was, but I love it. I really honestly enjoyed it. And I think, you know, mixing it up in a tennis season, I think it is such a nice event to attend. It's a different audience. And I started a skeptic and I ended genuinely quite enjoying it. Yeah, I think it exceeded my expectations as well. And I love the the choice of music. I think playing like Beethoven during the sudden death bit is, is genius. They should and... do that at actual tournaments, yeah. right? On like match point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love play it. a lot though. Uh, I just, yeah, I feel like that was really great. Uh, kudos to the, the DJ. And it, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I, I would recommend anyone to sort of, you know, Go and um, go and have a look if it's in London again, or if you're, you know, in Oslo or anywhere else. If and, you're in uh, Oslo, if you happen to be in Oslo, if you in happen February. to be in Oslo on holiday in February in the cold. Um, but yeah, Chris, hopefully you'll be there. And we do um, want to say a massive thank you to Faye and Eleanor from the Amelia Group, uh, Patrick for having us there, and also the biggest thank you to our superstar producer and camera woman Alina, who without her we would not have been able to capture. All the best moments from the UTS, securing the sound. 
um, and you know capturing content from around the courts that just would not have been possible so massive thank you for all your time and effort and commitment we really do appreciate it and um, to everyone involved yeah in, in having us there big big thank you absolutely and our annual crowdfund is also still live. The link is in the description. And we just want to make sure that we clarify something that we're so grateful for everyone who's donated. And we do have paid partnership tags on social media right now. And we just want to clarify that this was very much a case that this was a media partnership and a media collaboration, which don't get paid to be there as media. So we had to... Uh, because of the collaboration put that as the tag but we very much are still a team that are looking for some support when it comes to being able to attend these events and make these things possible but for now listeners i hope you've enjoyed our coverage from the uts grand final this week remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the upcoming tennis including the 2024 season We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then do make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media and you'll be able to see all of those interviews and even some new Tennis Weekly graphics. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube and X. And the handle for that is Tennis Weekly Pod. You can also purchase Tennis Weekly merch at 20% off in the run up to Christmas. And that is etsy.com slash shop slash Tennis Weekly Podcast. You can also email the show tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or check out our website tennisweekly.co.uk. And this really is goodbye from the Tennis Weekly Trio for 2023. It's been a fantastic season and what a way to finish. We can't wait to cover 2024 for you. But as always, in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.